This is section four and chapter four of the thirty thousand dollar bequest and other stories by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The thirty thousand dollar bequest by Mark Twain. Chapter four. Five weeks drifted tediously along. The Sagamore arrived regularly on the Saturdays, but never once contained a mention of Tilbury Foster. Sally's patience broke down at this point, and he said resentfully, "'Damn his livers! He's immortal!' Alec gave him a very severe rebuke, and added with icy solemnity, "'How would you feel if you were suddenly cut out just after such an awful remark had escaped out of you?' Without sufficient reflection Sally responded, "'I'd feel I was lucky I hadn't got caught with it in me!' Pride had forced him to say something, and as he could not think of any rational thing to say. He flung that out. Then he stole a base, as he called it, that is, slipped from the presence, to keep from being brayed in his wife's discussion mortar. Six months came and went. The Sagamore was still silent about Tilbury. Meantime, Sally had several times thrown out a feeler, that is, a hint that he would like to know. Alec had ignored the hints. Sally now resolved to brace up and risk a frontal attack so he squarely proposed to disguise himself and go to Tilbury's village and surreptitiously find out as to the prospects. Alec put her foot on the dangerous project with energy and decision. She said, "'What can you be thinking of? You do keep my hands full. You have to be watched all the time like a little child to keep you from walking into the fire. You'll stay right where you are.' "'Why, Alec, I could do it and not be found out. I'm certain of it. Sally Foster, don't you know you would have to inquire around? Of course, but what of it? Nobody would suspect who I was. Oh, listen to the man. Some day you've got to prove to the executors that you never inquired. What then? He had forgotten that detail. He didn't reply. There wasn't anything to say. Alec added, Now then, drop that notion out of your mind, and don't ever meddle with it again. Tilbury set that trap for you. Don't you know it's a trap? He is on the watch, and fully expecting you to blunder into it. Well, he is going to be disappointed, at least while I am on deck. Sally! Well? As long as you live, if it's a hundred years, don't you ever make an inquiry. Promise. <sighs> All right, with a sigh and reluctantly. Then Alec softened and said, Don't be impatient. We are prospering. We can wait. There is no hurry. Our small, dead-certain income increases all the time, and as to futures, I have not made a mistake yet. They are piling up by the thousands and tens of thousands. There is not another family in the state with such prospects as ours. Already we are beginning to roll in eventual wealth. You know that, don't you? Yes, Alec, it's certainly so. Then be grateful for what God is doing for us, and stop worrying. You do not believe we could have achieved these prodigious results without his special help and guidance, do you? Hesitatingly, N no, I suppose not. Then with feeling and admiration, and yet when it comes to judiciousness in watering a stock or putting up a hand to skin Wall Street, I don't give in that you need any outside amateur help. If I do wish, I— Oh, do shut up. I know you do not mean any harm or any irreverence, poor boy, but you can't seem to open your mouth without letting out things to make a person shudder. You keep me in constant dread, for you and for all of us. Once I had no fear of the thunder, but now when I hear it I—' Her voice broke, 
and she began to cry, and could not finish. The sight of this smote Sally to the heart, and he took her in his arms, and petted her, and comforted her, and promised better conduct, and upbraided himself, and remorsefully pleaded for forgiveness. And he was in earnest, and sorry for what he had done, and ready for any sacrifice that could make up for it. And so, in privacy, he thought long and deeply over the matter, resolving to do what should seem best. It was easy to promise reform. Indeed, he had already promised it. But would that do any real good, any permanent good? No. It would be but temporary. He knew his weakness, and confessed it to himself with sorrow. He could not keep the promise. Something surer and better must be devised, and he devised it. At cost of precious money, which he had long been saving up, shilling by shilling, he put a lightning-rod on the house. At a subsequent time he relapsed. What miracles habit can do, and how quickly and how easily habits are acquired, both trifling habits and habits which profoundly change us. If by accident we wake at two in the morning a couple of nights in succession, we have need to be uneasy, for another repetition can turn the accident into a habit and a month's dallying with whiskey, but we all know these commonplace facts. The castle-building habit, the daydreaming habit, how it grows, what a luxury it becomes, how we fly to its enchantments at every idle moment, how we revel in them, steep our souls in them, intoxicate ourselves with their beguiling fantasies. Oh, yes, and how soon and how easily our dream-life and our material life become so intermingled and so fused together that we can't quite tell which is which any more. By and by Alec subscribed for a Chicago daily, and for the Wall Street Pointer. With an eye single to finance, she studied these as diligently all the week as she studied her Bible Sundays. Sally was lost in admiration, to note with what swift and sure strides her genius and judgment developed and expanded in the forecasting and handling of the securities of both the material and spiritual markets. He was proud of her nerve and daring in exploiting worldly stocks, and just as proud of her conservative caution in working her spiritual deals. He noted that she never lost her head in either case, that with a splendid courage she often went short on worldly futures, but heedfully drew the line there. She was always long on the others. Her policy was quite sane and simple, as she explained it to him. What she put into earthly futures was for speculation. What she put into spiritual futures was for investment. She was willing to go into the one on a margin, and take chances, but in the case of the other, margin her no margins. She wanted to cash in a hundred cents per dollar's worth, and have the stock transferred on the books. It took but a very few months to educate Alex's imagination and Sally's. Each day's training added something to the spread and effectiveness of the two machines. As a consequence, Alec made imaginary money much faster than at first she had dreamed of making it, and Sally's competency in spending the overflow of it kept pace with the strain put upon it right along. In the beginning, Alec had given the coal speculation a twelve-month in which to materialize, and had been loath to grant that this term might possibly be shortened by nine months. But that was the feeble work, the nursery work, of a financial fancy that had had no teaching, no experience, no practice. These aids soon came, then that nine months vanished, 
and the imaginary ten thousand dollar investment came marching home with three hundred percent profit on its back it was a great day for the pair of fosters they were speechless for joy also speechless for another reason after much watching of the market aleck had lately with fear and trembling made her first flyer on a margin using the remaining twenty thousand of the bequest in this risk in her mind's eye she had seen it climb point by point always with a chance that the market would break until at last her anxieties were too great for further endurance she being new to the margin business and unhardened as yet and she gave her imaginary broker an imaginary order by imaginary telegraph to sell she said forty thousand dollars profit was enough the sale was made on the very day that the coal venture had returned with its rich freight as i have said the couple were speechless they sat dazed and blissful that night trying to realize the immense fact the overwhelming fact that they were actually worth a hundred thousand dollars in clean imaginary cash yet so it was it was the last time that ever aleck was afraid of a margin at least afraid enough to let it break her sleep and pale her cheek to the extent that this first experience in that line had done indeed it was a memorable night gradually the realization that they were rich sank securely home into the souls of the pair then they began to place the money if we could have looked out through the eyes of these dreamers we should have seen their tidy little wooden house disappear and two-story brick with a cast-iron fence in front of it take its place we should have seen a three-globed gas chandelier grow down from the parlor ceiling we should have seen the homely rag carpet turn to noble brussels a dollar and a half a yard and we should have seen the plebeian fireplace vanish away and a recherche big base burner with isinglass windows take position and spread awe around and we should have seen other things too among them the buggy the lap robe the stovepipe hat and so on from that time forth although the daughters and the neighbors saw only the same old wooden house there it was a two-story brick to aleck and sally and not a night went by that aleck did not worry about the imaginary gas bills and get for all comfort sally's reckless retort what of it we can afford it before the couple went to bed that first night that they were rich they had decided that they must celebrate they must give a party that was the idea but how to explain it to the daughters and the neighbors they could not expose the fact that they were rich sally was willing even anxious to do it but aleck kept her head and would not allow it she said that although the money was as good as in it would be as well to wait until it was actually in on that policy she took her stand and would not budge the great secret must be kept she said kept from the daughters and everybody else the pair were puzzled they must celebrate they were determined to celebrate but since the secret must be kept what could they celebrate no birthdays were due for three months tilbury wasn't available evidently he was going to live forever what the nation could they celebrate that was sally's way of putting it and he was getting impatient too and harassed but at last he hit it just by sheer inspiration as it seemed to him and all their troubles were gone in a moment they would celebrate the discovery of america a splendid idea aleck was almost too proud of sally for words she said she never would have thought of it but sally although he was bursting with delight in the compliment and with wonder at himself tried not to let on and said it wasn't really anything anybody could have done it whereat aleck with a prideful toss of her happy head said 
oh certainly anybody could oh anybody hosanna dilkins for instance or maybe adelbert peanut oh dear yes well i'd like to see them try it that's all dear me suz if they could think of the discovery of a forty-acre island it's more than i believe they could and as for the whole continent why sally foster you know perfectly well it would strain the livers and lights out of them and then they couldn't the dear woman she knew he had talent and if affection made her overestimate the size of it a little surely it was a sweet and gentle crime and forgivable for its source's sake end of chapter four